Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. So today we should be a pretty special episode. We had talked to Russ Tolman and Gavin Blair before about the upcoming, at that time, True West box set. But now we have it. So we have the three CD box set. And today, Ronnie is joining us. I'm still bummed that mine's not signed. <laughs> but um, Ronnie will be joining us today. And we'll also be talking to the two producers of this uh, fabulous box CD box set. And that's Pat Thomas. Yes. And a first time guest, Jim Huey. So he's been drumming for the band. So this should be pretty fun. I agree. Let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tune. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. All right. So, Soraya, we're very, very excited today to be talking to um, or welcoming back our fabulous co-host Ronnie Barnett from the yes. Muffs and from Ronnie Barnett's Boom Boom Room and from television programs, Unsolved Mysteries. What, Ronnie, what do you do? Yeah, thanks. Okay. This isn't about me, Jeff, but I appreciate that. I appreciate that intro. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the two producers of this new three CD box set by True West, uh, Kaleidoscope of Shadows, the story so far. So we have Pat Thomas, welcome back. And first time guest, Jim Huey, the current drummer for True West, I understand, and uh, yeah. founder of uh, uh, a label that I Paisley really enjoyed Pop. quite a bit, the Paisley Pop Records label. So that was very cool. And then surprising to all of us, lead guitarist Richard McGrath. So thank you all for joining today. Oh. Yeah. Sure. And Ronnie, I know you have a lot of questions and not a lot of time. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's Let's okay. get started. Yeah. Well, first, first off, um, uh, how was this project in the works for a long time? Um, who, whose idea was it to compile everything and, and, and finally put it out like this? Well, uh, I remember a couple of uh, lunches or breakfasts with uh, Russ Tolman at the Talleyrand in Burbank. Um, the idea of, of kind of putting together, um, you know, some kind of compilation. But I was really inspired a few years ago by a phone call with Jim Huey, who is not only the drummer of True West in the last uh, decade or two, but a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of their archive list. He, he's played a little bit of the role that I've played for the Dream Syndicate and Steve Wynn, which is holding on to every random demo or cassette or anything that comes his way. So Jim started rattling off about these demos that thankfully Richard had preserved and uh, remixed for this project. Um, Jim knew the live material floating around much better than I did. And so it really just sort of became a meeting of the minds. Um, and, uh, you know, over the last, uh, it kind of came together quickly, about six months, we kind of whipped, whipped it all, whipped it all together. Yeah, that seems right. Was it uh, always an idea to self-release it like this or? Uh... Well, to be blunt, I took it to a couple of obvious labels who turned it down and 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 frankly you know to me true west have become a little bit of the uh a little bit forgotten in you know when we always talk about the paisley underground and admittedly they weren't one of the core four or five bands but 
you know, True West for me in the 80s was getting a ton of press through Bucket Full of Brains and the Bob and whatever. And to me, they were right up there with the Rain Parade, Long Riders, Green and Red Dreams, etc. Uh, and I'm hoping that, that this three CD set, I know there's going to be a review in Mojo and possibly in Cut. You know, these, these guys are sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're overdue for their due uh, 35 yeah. years later. Absolutely. Richard, what do you think of that term Paisley Underground? And, and did you like being lumped in with those other bands? Uh, I don't, uh, fine. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think about it. You know. Yeah. And, you know, that was just Perfect. That was just like magazine stuff. You know. Yeah. Stuff you read in the magazine. And if they're writing about you, then it's then it's got to be good, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, no. Since we have Richard here, I'd like to really talk about the process of a, of a true West song coming together. I mean, I know that, you know, the, in the first two albums, you know, Russ is often listed as the primary songwriter, but obviously true West was a band, you know, very much Gavin's vocals, Richard's lead guitar parts, uh, various drummers and bass players. So maybe Richard could kind of address, you know, how we get from a Russ Tolman idea of a song to a true West song, if you remember. Well, there was, if it's just a Russ Tolman song, it was, he would make a chord change and write some lyrics and then get with Gavin and Gavin would figure out a melody for it because Russ couldn't sing the melody mm -hmm. or he could do it, you know, not very. And so Gavin would find a melody that fit. If it was a song that I was involved in, I usually give chords the music to Russ, he would write the words, then he would get together with Gavin and they would, you know, mm -hmm. turn, it, turn it into a song. And then they would bring it in and I, and I would go, that's nothing like what I gave to you, you know. You <laughs> turned it all around, but you know, it, it worked. Um, now with the third album, when Russ uh, exits the premises, um, you and Gavin really had to, you know, kind of step up to the plate and, and do it yourself. Did you did you enjoy that process or was it stressful or both? Uh, well, we had some, a lot of those songs we already had mm -hmm. you know, written before uh, when Russ was still in the band. Uh, but, um, it, what we did when Russ left is one of the changes we made is we got rid of the written by Gavin or written by Richard. It just was written by all four. Mm -hmm. That was a part, that was a friction in True West is Russ would bring stuff in and we would work on it and give him guitar hooks and, you know, melodies and all that. But then at the end, it just said Russ Tolman. Well, that's kind yeah. of what I was getting at in the first part of my question was, which is, you know, True West was a band, not Russ Tolman and Fred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it was like that all the time, but yeah. Uh, but you know, we looked kind of like at, we looked at REM and how they it was all like, you know, mm -hmm. equal. And yeah. so that's what we are, that's what we should do. It's mm -hmm. just all the, you know, mm -hmm. so no one feels like left out. Yeah. So. Would you would you describe your that your guitar parts, especially the solos, are you someone who 
kind of writes your solos or, or is it sort of improv in the studio or both? How do, how's your approach to Usually uh, most of them were just improv mm -hmm. until I got one that was, oh, that one was good. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I know in the, on the EP, I remember doing like solos for maybe It's About Time or Steps at the Door. And I would just be out there with my high watt crank and Russ would be in the control room and they play and I play to it. I play the solo, stop, how's that? And then they go, oh, that was good. That was good. Do it again. Okay, I did it again. Then I would stop, now I fucked that part up. Okay, start over. And it's just kind of like that, you know, just, uh, I, I never I never worked any solos out from beginning to end. They were all just kind of mm -hmm. made up on the spot in the studio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so your your guitar playing is a huge part of the what makes the band special. Um, uh, I mean, I not most bands don't have a lead guitar player like you, Richard. No, they, and, don't. Uh, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you guys understand that when I joined True West, uh, I was like four or five years older than they were, and I'd been in bands for like 13, 14 years. And you know, including bands up here in the Northwest where you're doing four sets a night, you know, it's covers, but you know, like Zeppelin, yeah. the, you know, who, all that. But so I'm like this seasoned professional coming into a band where yeah. Gavin, this is this is Gavin's first band as a stand-up lead singer, you know, and, right. and, and Russ has been in like one or two bands, and uh, so. So there was a perception of like live, and it's mentioned in the liner notes of me feeling like I was above it all, or I was uh, somehow, you know, on stage, I was bored or impassioned and, you know, and all of, you know, it's really not that the case. It's just, I wasn't rattled on stage because I'd been on stage for my fucking whole life. and. And I was supremely confident in my playing ability. So uh, uh, when you know when when we would get on stage and things would go wrong, as sometimes they often would, uh, you know, maybe like me and Kevin were on one side and Russ is over there, and things are, you know, there would there would be frustrations. You know that's mentioned in there about how I said I'm you know I don't I'm too good to play with these guys. And I never thought that that was you know that was probably just being pissed off at someone breaking a string on the first song and all of a sudden we're all out of tune and you know like okay but um, <laughs> but but anyway yeah so that's my yeah. rant on that. <laughs> what what are the name of some of those early bands yours, Richard? Well. Uh, there was a band called Whiplash. There was uh, just dumb little names. Nothing, yeah, yeah. Nothing that uh, I, I was playing a lot of bands in Sacramento. Then this band from Seattle in 1973 came through and they needed a drummer and a guitar player. So me and I was a drummer joined them and came up here and did this Northwest circuit. They were, they were like, a, and it was way different from down there. It was taverns up here. 
didn't have hard liquor and the, so they were they were bigger places you know down there it was like little cocktail lounges you could play at a club and up there it was up here it was like these big taverns that just served beer beer and wine and uh and so we came up here and did like oregon idaho montana washington doing that circuit you know it's like rod stewart the rolling stones um you know, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, Jeff Beck, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was, it was, nice. it was, it was good uh, experience, you know, to get, made me better. Yeah. Now, uh, you were on a, in this band called Yeah, Permanent when I came Day. back from there, one of the times, That's yeah, on this I joined them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm on that. They were a new wave band that turned into the Mumbles. Ah, okay. So that was pre Mumbles. And uh, who was the bassist on that? Mike Palmer. Mike Palmer and Frank French were in that band. Right. All three of us ended up in True West and made the EP. Let's talk about uh, Pat and Jim, your relationship. You guys go way back, right? Are you not from the same town? Yeah, we we met in Rochester around 1983. Uh, so Jim was there for all the Absolute Grey stuff. And Jim was in a band, I sometimes playfully call it our sister band. They only put out a seven inch single there called uh, Invisible Party with a mutual good friend of ours, uh, Chaz Lockwood and this lead singer named Stan Merrill who was a sort of a local celebrity DJ, Stan the Man. So yeah, uh, Jim also worked at the Record Archive, which was the record store at the time. So uh, yeah, I have a long history with Jim. And, uh, and like I said, you know, Jim really uh, went through hours and hours of live tapes from the 80s. Um, and I kind of was more the uh, foreman or micromanager of Jim. <laughs> Jim, dig deeper, uh, you know, take I, that forklift, move it over there, get that shovel out um but uh yeah nice well i i was out by richard actually who had years ago uh turned over some uh cds of he had of live stuff which i don't know where he got the soundboard or something and uh like of the sweden show and which was really really good and there was some other stuff i i dug up originally i was in this uh surf band called Cousin Al and the Relatives and we had opened up for uh, True West's first show in Rochester, New York and uh, that's that's when I first met up and they were wow, you know, just overwhelming, just like huge I thought they were totally professional oh, yeah. at the time, but <laughs> they were also one of the loudest bands mm. I'd ever seen <laughs> and uh, as I found out too later when I got to play with them years years later they're, <laughs> they're <loud laughs> so Jim I had a question about like the source material was a lot of it digital already or was all of it digital or was there any tape uh, so it sounds like Richard had some CDs but were there any tapes that you were pulling from? I had a number of cassette tapes I went through and uh, transferred some over. Uh, but it was, 
you know, it's hard to find what there was. Uh, you know, there could have, if we had had maybe four CDs, we could have used more of that stuff. But I, um, but we digitized and then I uh, well, reformed. Since we have Richard here, these these demos were like a four track cassette player, right? Yeah, that yeah. was. Uh, so you know, there's your analog sources there, Jeff. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, I uh, I had a an '84. I guess I bought a little Fos Six X15, and then um, just started making demos, making songs, and then you know when Russ at that I don't know somewhere along the line Russ had some songs, so we recorded those with Gavin. And, uh, when I was going through digging those out, I, I was going to mention this. I came across uh, four tracks I did with Donette. Well, I know you guys are. Uh, yeah. Oh, Yeah, because I did a show with her and Scott Miller in 1984 while I was still in True West. And uh, we recorded the music of uh, the rehearsal. Then she came over and put vocals on it on my four track. I, and I have that somewhere. Ah. It's not very good, though. Right. <laughs> no, no. You guys will be calling you in two minutes asking if they can. No, hear I, that. I smell another release here the unreleased demos of Richard McGrath. Yeah. yeah. Various projects. Yeah. Pat, you know me too, too well to, to know that I definitely would love to hear oh, that. Yeah. I no, mean, no, Rich, yeah. Richard McGrath and Donnett, they are, yeah. come on. Yeah. I'm all about that. And then Gavin was a drummer in Donnett's old band too. So it's all. Yeah. Inter, uh, yeah. All together. Yeah. 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 He was. Let's uh, nice. Let's talk a little bit about Kevin, who unfortunately died early. And you know, Jim said to me, uh, and although Jim wasn't there, but he's played with you guys enough. He, he felt that Kevin was sort of the glue that sort of brought you guys together in terms of your diverse personalities and stuff. I don't know, Richard. Any, yeah. any thoughts on Kevin? Yeah. yeah, he was young. He was like five years younger than everyone. Like maybe ten years younger than me, he was—he uh, was just a real character, you know. And mm -hmm. Everyone just really likable guy. And, uh, and as 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 uh, Russ said once, the only guy who really looked like a rock star in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he—he, <laughs> he, you know, he practiced his moves. You know, he—he he was all about Jimmy Page, moving mm -hmm. like Jimmy Page, and he—he being a in the hotel room or you know wherever there's a mirror you know <laughs> he's working on that and it worked i mean you know he's yeah any any uh thoughts or richard on how gavin wanted to be the singer because he had just been a drummer before any any thoughts how he wound up fronting this group uh, on how what how he what how how rick how gavin went from being a drummer to a well, singer um any any memories of that or thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know because uh, I just knew him from the suspects and then uh, mm -hmm. and then um, I went and saw I guess it was True West at a bar. Uh, Frank was playing drums and Gavin was the singer and they were trying to be U two sound like U two mm -hmm. with uh, just one guitar but a lot of echo and you know I thought yeah, yeah okay. I don't, I don't, I don't remember thinking much about it. Just, I don't know. If I, I don't, I don't know if I knew he, he sang or not. 
Somebody once said Frank French was the best drummer of any band he was in, but then he'd always quit the band after two minutes. No, no, he didn't, he, no, that's not true. No. He was good, but he was uh, high maintenance, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Jim Huey cars a little low maintenance drummers. Jim Huey's a little low maintenance, yeah. Well, low maintenance and, and need of repair usually. Yeah. You know, <laughs> needs maintenance. But um, no, Frank was, Frank was, he was good, but yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when, when you split with Russ, Richard, mm -hmm. um, how, how did, was it always just you and Gavin were just committed to, to going forward at that point and keeping the name? Um, oh, well, I think what happened is, no, we, we, didn't, we didn't plan on keeping the name, but the label, said yeah we'll give you we'll, we'll do your record but you got to be true west mm. now and of course that just opened up the whole can of you know because i don't think we were planning on being right. it wasn't like we're kicking you out russ and we're going on as true west it was, we're just gonna leave go do make it a new band and a new name but then we got stuck with well we'll sign you but as true west so of course then russ sued us and that whole thing. Well, it's good that Hand of Fate is gonna getting more attention with yeah. this release because it really is an unheralded work, um, I think, and I think it still holds up, uh, possibly even better than, you know, Drifters, yeah. if I do say so. Wow, that's yeah. pretty heavy. Wow, talk that's that's that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's probably production more than anything, right? I mean, um, I, I think. Uh, I, just think I think they better. both have that 80s scene, which kind of bugs me. That 80s big, yeah. big studio scene, big reverb, big, you know. Uh, I, I, I think many of us said to ourselves, including Matt Pucci, damn, the third album is way better than we remembered it. Because many of us played it once or twice at the time, filed it away. So, so it is kind of fun to hear it, you know, come back out 35 years later. It does sound better. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's got some weak songs on it, but you know, yeah. it's, it's what we had at the time. So, did, did that? Did you tour that record? Um, yeah, Richard? we did, did one that... tour. Uh, okay, with it went to the East Coast and back. But uh, one of, one yeah. of the things I always loved about True West, and and some of this is reflected on just three. I loved when you guys did other people's songs and I don't mean they were better than your own songs, but you guys just had a great way of doing covers, whether it was Elvis or Iggy or uh, what have you. I mean, the covers are great. Um, it was always one of my favorite parts of hearing you guys. Um, how yeah, did, I, how, I don't remember doing Iggy. I mean, I remember doing it live, but I don't remember the studio recording of it. When, when Russ right. said, "Do you have a copy of this?" I said, "What is? Did you know? Is this a live version? It's a studio version. I have no memory of mm -hmm. doing. I guess we did it in the Drifters session, but I don't. I don't remember at all." But, um, yeah, I was actually thinking more of uh, "Less for Life." I mean, when you guys tore into that the first time I heard it, because it, it wasn't something I was expecting you guys to play. You know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I love the fact it was a little, you know, and then of course there's even a Richard Lloyd cover on here, uh, Alchemy, 
Um, and I don't oh, yeah. think anyone else has covered alchemy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, we had a hard time. Actually, we had a hard time picking covers that everyone could agree on. Mm -hmm. uh, I think still do. But, uh, those are the ones. I don't know. Those are the ones. Yeah. Suspect. Richard, go ahead. I was going to say that one of the things that I was really excited about with the new box set is the Tom Verlaine sessions that finally got yeah. released. I've, Sarai and I have both been very curious about those oh. and those ever see in the light of day. Do you have any um, memories about the session that you'd like to share? Um, oh. he, he was uh, pretty nice. And uh, he, I remember showing him, I think it was the... Uh, guitar riff to It's About Time, which is uh, right off of Marquee Moon. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, um, I remember him spilling coffee on to the knee desk, and I remember, <laughs> you, know, you know. You guys didn't get charged for that, did you? We didn't, and I'm surprised they were able to fix it and get it working you know within right. a couple hours because yeah. it was like wow. <laughs> it was vintage, vintage need desk and yeah like, oh my God. luckily he did it not one of us right right right, right. that would that would have been a disaster yeah so richard as a guitarist yourself were were you a fan of television going into yeah. that session yeah. yeah okay all right Yes, I discovered them like in 1977 when I was up here. I was in a country band after one of those tavern bands. I joined an outlaw country band, played like Waylon Jennings, and it was yeah. in that, that outlaw period. Remember that? And the Willie yeah. Nelson and yes. all that. And mm -hmm. this was like right before New Wave or right as New Wave was starting to happen. And it was great. I played in that band for about a year or so uh, because I had nowhere to live and uh, I had no job, no money, and that band provided both. And But also, it was a great learning experience playing those songs because I realized that uh, those simple three-chord songs that, you know, I'd been playing all this rock stuff, and then I went to this country band and playing all this and a simple thing. And it was just like the Ramones only slowed down, or it was just like, you know, all these new wave bands were playing. I'm going, wait, well, this is, you know, I just fit right into this. So I left, went back to Sacramento. That's when I joined the Permanent Wave. And, you know, the only thing about the new wave bands and the mumbles and like Permanent Wave is no guitar solos. We couldn't, couldn't do guitar solos. That's out. Right. Uh, okay. I had to make all my solos just little brief, little Chuck Berry kind of things, you know. And then when I joined True West, solos were back in, and I could, yeah. I like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, good. I can do this. So nice. Yeah. So, so Jim, as the band's archivist, when did you start archiving material for um, True West? Jeez, I had stuff back in the '80s some live wow live things uh but 90s yeah digitized what i could i actually the way i got a demo was a, a friend of mine uh chaz had somehow 
maybe I guess Russ was going to produce his band Lotus SDP, and they and Russ shared with him like a demo of uh, of something, and uh, that's when I first heard Russ's demos. And somehow Chance kind of hold of uh, the the demo for looking for an angel, which I, I don't know where he got it. And then, so I knew about that and, or may, maybe Richard shared that with me, but I had it in low fidelity. And I I, uh, I was shocked when Richard had a number of songs that I had never heard on demos. And I was like, we gotta get these on the box set. You know, I'm a fan. And Richard's like, they're demos. Why would anybody know, want to hear wow, <laughs> You're like, what? They're embarrassing. Um, yeah. to, to, to you, but that's yeah. you know maybe that's why the Beatles, well, yeah, yeah. You know, deca tapes or whatever till anthology. But I was like, oh my god! And plus the lost songs, you know. But mm -hmm. to hear what would have been, you know, early version of yeah. uh, looking for an angel, and I don't know if there was an early demo of. Uh, hand of fate anywhere but I found that was on a live uh, some live shows you did with Russ around then um, and that was uh, really cool but it was for the didn't make the uh, the end um, the the box we ended up doing because the the take of it was really low fidelity so mm. There's a lot of shows that uh, not up to those four track fidelity standards. That... Well, those were clean. Those were clean. Those were clean. I gotta say, you. You're, well, I'm glad that we. Engineer. I'm glad that we presented those how they really were recorded. Just, just didn't try to modernize them by, you know, making them. I don't know better. That's just how they sounded in 1984. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. me too. Well, Jeff too. Lynn turned us down for doing that. Um, I know. <laughs> Mick Jagger was going to add some vocals. <laughs> um, no songwriting credits on this thing, you guys. Uh, that is weird. That is That's a lot of. Uh, I had we had nothing to do with the the artwork or the. You know, other than the liner notes Pat sent in uh, for the credits, that that was strange, and uh, we would have liked to have okay. uh, yeah. just well, seen him yeah. first. But we were pushed for time, and uh, Russ made some executive decisions. You know, on space, we'd already allocated so much space, and and from whatever. So, yeah. Okay. Well. I, you know, I, I haven't listened to it. I've only listened to the uh, one, the first demo, and I think uh, I don't know if I listened. To, well, maybe the first one off of uh, Hand of Fate, but I, you know, how's it sound? I, I really, you know, just, oh, it sounds great. It, it, the the content, the musical content, is great. Um, I just I'm listening and I'm listening to Hand of Fate. And I, I started. You, you said it earlier, Richard, that you all took, you know, band songwriting credit, but. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, who wrote these songs in this lineup? And I'm like, I looked through the booklet like 10 times. I swear to God, I'm like, you know. Oh. And I'm like, there's no songwriting credits yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> Maybe in the second pressing, we lose one of these snapshots and put some songwriting yeah. credits. <laughs> what, do <you> think? <laughs> what do you think, Pat? Uh, yes, yes. 
So I, okay. since Richard has spent so much time in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. I just wanted to nerd out here because when I think of the Pacific Northwest and, and Richard being there, I think of another one of my favorite guitar players, Jerry Miller. Have you, have you ever encountered Jerry up there? Uh, uh, he used to play at uh, just these small little bars at Pioneer Square, uh, mm -hmm. you know, back in the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I never got, I never saw him. Oh, okay. I think he's not around anymore, is he? No, no, he lives in Tacoma. In fact, the Seattle newspaper just did like a, a full page feature on him. Um, oh, okay. I just thought you guys might might have. Uh, I'm probably thinking of Henry Bestine. Yeah. And who is Jerry Miller, Pat? Jerry Miller was the lead guitar player for Moby Grape. Yeah. Okay. They had, they okay. had three guitar players, but Jerry was always the, he was the Richard McGrath in Moby Grape. So. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. And he ended up in Seattle. Exactly. Ah. That's where they go. The Richard McGraths of various bands, including exactly. himself, Ghost, they, they retire in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the demos for a moment, I was surprised Into the Light was done live with Drew West before. Yeah. Got a live version. I think we did. We put the live version on there. And the demo. Why we did. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. And I, I love that song. And Later, uh, the Fool Killers did it, and I, I, little plug, I did put it out on CD. Mm. So there's a studio version of that. But I was surprised you guys didn't do it on Hand of Fate album. Yeah, I don't know. Russ asked that too. I don't remember what the decision why because we had the song. I don't know. Right. And it's better. And it's better than you know at least eight of the other songs on that album. So I don't know why. You're their harshest critic. You're I don't know. Critic. No, I don't know why. Because <laughs> we did it on the next album, on the Fool Killers album. Right. I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. So Richard, I'm always fascinated by album sequencing. Were you any part of that process in the records? Any of the sequencing? Or uh, did you leave it to the other guys? Not on the True West. Well, on the And of Fate prop, maybe. But not on the Drifters or the... EP. Uh, I don't, I don't okay. remember. Uh, yeah, probably on the Hand of Fate, I was. I'm not sure. Definitely okay. on the Fool Killer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie, I thought for sure you'd want to ask about the Fool Killers. Yeah. Well, I mean, not the Fool Killer. Uh, and now we have Jim here who's talking about how he's released Fool Killers. Do you I have that CD handy. To I would I like do. that. I have them somewhere. Yeah, How about a full killer's retrospective like this? Jim, no, 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 it's right here. We've already—he's already done it, Ron. Look at this. Yeah. That—that's every. That's not everything, though. Well, right? Everything it's, you need. That, <laughs> that's, that's an opinion. Yeah. Well, I like comprehensive ones. That's why I like actually, this. Actually, it's got—it's got every. Yeah. If we—if we want a super nerd out here, when I first approached Jim, I wanted to put the full killers seven inch on here i didn't realize jim had already put it out so the idea was is not only would we have hand of fate but but we yeah. kind of tell the story up to the point that the fool killers start and frankly if we'd had the space we would have done it it was kind of right amazing to me how quickly we filled up three cds well, well their lives they yeah. were pretty long with all those yeah i mean uh, the guitar solos on the lives yeah you know was, yeah you cut that down maybe and in <laughs> fact we um the original track listing had live more live material because I somehow thought we could squeeze it all in, you know. Yeah. I, I think four discs would have been a little uh, 
mm. a little cost prohibitive and a little over the top, but yeah, you know. We should probably explain to people who don't know too, if the Fool Killers was uh, a group that Richard and Gavin continued on with and um, made two albums, I believe. No, we made one in Sacramento and we made one up here. Yeah. yeah, that is two albums. Okay, yeah. that's two albums, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And then you got, yeah, you guys moved. How, what, how did you decide to move to the- uh, uh, First off, uh, we made the full, Kevin died. So, yeah. and then uh, by then Steve wanted to be, he was done being a drummer. He wanted to be a singer, songwriter, guitar player. So he went, and so me and Gavin made the, uh, Fool Killers album in Sacramento with John Bacigalupi and uh, yeah, from uh, Tape Up. And then uh, while we're waiting to come for that to come out, I joined uh, a band called the Rough Riders, which was John McRae from Cake. I don't know if you know. Mm. He's the lead. Yeah. Cake. Yeah, they were big. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, me and Frank played with him for. I don't know, about a year or maybe less than a year. And uh, hmm. uh, did a lot of the songs that are on that first Cake album. And, uh, hmm. and then I moved to LA because my wife got a job in LA. So I moved to LA and I answered an ad and got a job with Stan Ridgeway doing a- How about that? Right. Yeah, uh, I did a European and an American tour with him in 1989. Hmm. And- uh, and by the way, I saw on, on your list of things you were talking about, Mary's Danish. Yeah, they were, they were our opening act with the, on the Stan Ridgeway tour for like on the West wow. Coast. Hmm. I, I think the guitar player from Three O'Clock was in that band. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Greg, depending on what day of the week it is. Hey, what are you doing here? Hey, what are you doing? Well, you know, <laughs> what a coincidence. And so... Uh, yeah, then after that, that those tours ended, the marriage ended, the girlfriend's up here, Gavin's up here, so I came up here, and we we put a little band together like in 91 with a rhythm section, played for about a year, and then this thing called grunge hit. I don't know, you might, I don't know if the name's heard, but it just like, rings, we, rings a bell. it's like, yeah. forget it, we're done, we're, you know, we don't fit in, we're out of here, so. Then it just became record at home, buy recording equipment, record at home. And, and that's what we did. That's what I've been doing. Well, tell them about the uh, the backwards guitar you used live. The backwards what? guitar when you had the... Oh, yeah. Well, in that band, I, I used... Uh, uh, it was a three-piece with uh, with Gavin, as a lead singer. I used... Uh, this backwards tape thing to fill out the sound. So I have me playing regular, then out of another amplifier, this backwards guitar stuff coming out. Wow. And it, it was pretty cool, you know. It was sounded did it play a part in like one key and then well you had to stay in you right. know stay in one key. Uh we uh, we did a show with Thin White Rope when they came up here. And uh, that was Kind of cool. Let's, uh, some people might not know that for a while anyway, Truest was d doing gigs not that long ago with, with Jim on drums. Uh, so Jim, it must have been pretty cool to be 
to go from sort of fanboy to band member. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that's always kind of a cool thing, for sure. Totally. Uh, I remember you guys did a. Did you do a tour with the Violent Femmes, or, or certainly some gigs? Uh, we did several opening gigs down in uh, California, including uh, the House of Blues and the Fillmore. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember the the I think the was it the first show was at the uh, was it the Fillmore or the House of Blues? Was that the Fillmore? Okay. I was at the Fillmore. Yeah. Yeah. I was at Fillmore. Well, uh, but on the that was the a show we did, but later, right? But later we did the other where right. we did the series of dates, and it was at the House of Blues. Yes. And yes. bass player and I yeah. flew down from Portland that day. For some reason, our plane got delayed, and we were stuck in like we had to fly from San Francisco. I think we were stuck in San Francisco because of fog or something. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the Orange County Airport and they had lost our luggage. <laughs> instruments and things? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so. Yeah, so the story is he and the bass player showed up at the House of Blues and they had no clothes. So he, had, he had like a Mickey Mouse shirt on that he bought down the street at a gift shop. And then the, other, the other guy was dressed like the Big Lebowski. I, I didn't have on. a Mickey Mouse shirt. I bought it right. And, 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 then they, and then they videotaped it. And I, you know, I did, yes. and it came out as a DVD. And right, released right. But <laughs> we didn't miss sound check. And so I was tremendously nervous. And, oh, you know, man. we get out there and the audience is there, you know, for violent fans and then suddenly there's these cameras but Richard when he gets on stage suddenly he's the edge and it's like it was amazing he yeah. just like yeah. I was watching him and I was like oh my god we are like in a rock band like you know stage presence as yeah. long as you just look at Richard you know <laughs> uh, which I need mean, Jim you got it Jim, you got to travel the day before the tour starts. Yeah, that's, right. that's a, that. that was a rookie mistake. That was right it, yeah. baby. Oh, that, I had no idea. I, come on, you're just going down to LA. Yep, yep. So. Oh. well, guys, um, this is this has been uh, this has been great. I just the fact this thing exists, and uh, you know, great to have Richard with us. It's always nice to actually have somebody who was there. Uh, yep. telling us what it was like um and uh it was great tag teaming this with with jim you know the the, the older i get i don't want to do all the fucking heavy lifting anymore um <laughs> you know, to be honest uh you know so yeah it, it was, no hey guys congratulations to all three of you it looks great it yes. sounds right. great it, it's it, it exists it's you know it's history it's it exists it's fantastic so Right. Well done. Yeah. And Ronnie, yeah. you, you saw yeah. the band back in the day, right? In Texas? I did. I saw, uh, I, I saw, uh, Richard, I saw you like three times. I'm from Houston, Texas. Oh. And, uh, and it seems like those three times were within a year and a half. Like you guys worked hard back then. Like, um, I saw the REM gig and I saw you at a club called Fitzgerald's. Um, I think the other times, but yeah. Um, one of, one of my favorite bands from back then and since and everything. So this is a this is a real honor to uh, talk to you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks.
So Soraya, we might as well pimp it while we're here. So if anybody that's listening doesn't have it, and I'm hoping that most of our listeners do have this, um, it's available truewest.bandcamp.com. And I think Russ said, if you want to Google it, make sure you add Kaleidoscope of Shadows because you might get something else, another True West. <laughs> but um, truewest.bandcamp.com. Um, it's called Kaleidoscope of Shadows, the story so far. Three CDs. And I will just add, piggybacking on something that Pat said earlier, that I think for me personally, listening to it on the CD, it sounds much better. And I was one that did listen to the last album and file it away. But hearing it on here, it's so much better to me personally. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the time that's passed or the sound quality, but it just sounds fantastic on here. So Richard, I recommend you listen to the CD. I I just want to give a shout out to Gary Hobbish, who actually recorded the the third album. He remastered this entire box. Right. Right. And and did it at a very reasonable price. It was a kind of a labor of love for him. So I just I just want to shout out to Gary uh because he was a key part a key part of the team here. Excellent. Excellent. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining. Um Richard, thank you for joining on the 11th hour. Very much, very much surprise, a nice surprise. And Jim and Pat, congratulations on, uh, and thank you for the hard work that you two did also on putting this out. Ronnie, as always, thanks, man. Hey, pleasure, pleasure being here. You you can still hit that party, Ron. You can hit that party. Yeah, thank you, Pat. You know, I I don't want to arrive too late, Pat. I'm not an all-nighter anymore. Okay, (laughs) Pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too bad I won't see you there. I know. Okay. All right, you guys. Thanks Thanks again. We really appreciate it. And cut. (laughs) Perfect, Jim. Perfect. Thank you so much. I was glad Richard was able to do it. Yeah, that was a very pleasant and unexpected surprise, I will say. I don't know if he's ever... And very forthcoming. I don't know if he's ever been interviewed. So... Wow. I don't know. I, I don't remember ever seeing an interview with him. And uh, I, I, we couldn't find any. Right. Let me tell All you. right. Yeah. He's amazing. Really forthcoming, honest, but great anecdotes and it's super humorous. I mean, he's got a killer. Oh, sense yeah. Of humor. His sense of humor is like just that's. It was one of the best things about playing with him at any time. Because there was a couple of t- number of times where it was like, you know, it seemed like sometimes disaster would be happening. And Richard was able to always offset it with like just some dry comments that just would, you know. Oh no, he's got a biting humor. It's so great. Jim, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna ask one more question before you, you hang up. Okay. How much more material really do you have? in your archives like enough for another cd or two it sounds like there are a lot more demos and live tracks <laughs> that's gone okay um, we'll let you go but, we'll let you go well there, there's, by the there's more for for live stuff there's live stuff we left off but you know they only wrote so many songs right so you know how many it's like how many times can you listen to won't get fooled again live or something as far as but i mean yeah there's there's other things and there's a few songs that didn't make it and there might be other demos that i haven't heard you know sounds like richard's got a bunch of them 
<laughs> he might, yeah, he might have some more. It's just a matter of digging them out. I still have some more cassettes yeah. that are unlabeled I could go through, but it's a lot <laughs> going through them. That's a lot. Right. Oh my but, gosh. Well, but thanks. thank you. Thank you again. This is really a special collection. And uh, I'm glad yeah, we have absolutely. it. I'm glad it happened. Well, great. And thank you for including us. And, and yeah. So, oh, absolutely. All right. I'll see y'all later. All right. Thank you. All right, Jim. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Soraya, can you believe okay. that? I mean, first of all, Richard McGrath, welcome anytime. Anytime. <laughs> this guy's got, first of all, a great memory and a great recall of steps and process. He's just got really good stories and his sense of humor is killer. I was, I was enchanted. I, I have to say, Soraya, that there was a couple times because the humor is so dry and biting, as you said, I was like, after he said a couple of the quips, I was like, is it okay for me to laugh? Because that's whole, that's freaking hilarious. But I was like, is, is it supposed to be funny? Because it's hilarious to me, some of those comments. If Jim but. Huey is correct in that Richard hasn't been interviewed before that is a massive oversight yeah oh yeah massive oversight absolutely just look at his just look at the bands he's been in and of course now i'm gonna go research permanent wave because now i want to hear this i like i'm i'm familiar with his work on true west with true west and the solos and now i'm like I want to hear him just do three chords, you know, <laughs> you know, um, and not and and be li- <coughs> excuse me limited in his, in his solos. But this demo with Donette, yes, I want to hear that, right? And he, yeah, you yeah. know, he he kind of brushed it off like, oh, you know, it's nothing to listen to. But I want to hear it. Four tracks, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Him, Scott yeah. Miller, and Donette yep. there. Yeah, I want to hear that. Yeah, of and course. The story of Kevin, like that factor in True West, is interesting to me. Um, yeah. I have so much. Well, one of the good things that I think is going to come is that this set is going to be reviewed in Mojo, and it should. It needs that. Oh, and yeah. It deserves it, is uh, the better term. But how, how did you love Ronnie's question? So what did you think about the label Paisley Underground? That was just magazine stuff. I paid no yeah. attention to it. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of expected that answer from him. So, But I'm glad he asked that. You know, I mean, it's definitely appropriate for if nothing else for our podcast, but it, no matter where you look, and we've talked about this before, sorry, no matter where you look, wherever True West is mentioned, even on some of their own press releases, Paisley Underground always oh, yeah. comes up um, in, in relation to True West. So whether they were or not, it's there's always that connection being made. And um, of course, Richard is right. I mean, it is, uh, it is a, a magazine it is a journalistic 
um, categorization, but um, um, yeah, so I think he's totally right, but I'm glad that Ronnie asked that and I'm not surprised I mean, at the answer. Like I'm going through my notes and I have so many notes. Um, but you know, what he said about the demos, what Richard said about the demos, oh, they're embarrassing. And I'll, I'll bet you, I'll bet you money that uh, there's more stuff that's not embarrassing versus embarrassing. Yeah. But it's telling for me that Richard hears things in a track that he wants to hear again, you know? And like he said, you know, it's, it's been a while or that record um, has that 80s sheen, you know, with lots of reverb. So, you know, being part of it, he knows the sound and the sound that he wants to hear. And, the, and so to me, it's just, this is a guy who's truly driven by the music and knows what he likes and isn't afraid to voice that. Like, I, yeah. I just found yeah. his opinions to be really, um, really poignant because he was direct, he was honest pulled no punches and you know to tell the story of true west you have to tell the whole story and that includes when true west continues without russ and mm -hmm. i thought his telling of that story was very open and honest and forthcoming um and he didn't try to gloss it, but he said, this is exactly what happened. And when a label tells you, yeah, we'll sign you, but you have to continue with the name of your old band. But he was ready to do something different. Him and Gavin. Yeah. Or, yeah <laughs> so to me, the story of True West is just, it's an interesting one. And then I'm just happy that he agreed to come on. Yes. And oh my Pat gosh. Thomas, God bless him because he asked the right questions oh, that yeah. got Richard talking. And, you know, he didn't give one word answers. He gave very elaborate answers. So that's why I say I underline Richard McGrath is welcome here anytime. <laughs> Whether or not that happens, I just want to say it on the record. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did. And I will say that there's something... That I thought was very interesting um, about these forthcoming responses is that there's some stuff in here um, in the liner notes that he even clarified or corrected, right? You so know, um, that was I thought that was very interesting. You know, and I think it takes a it takes an honest person to take a look and say, you know, my behavior may send a message that really wasn't true. So it's kind of, it, it's uh, clarifying. And also it's just saying like, maybe, maybe people just really misunderstood me and what I was doing, you know? Cause yep. Jeff, can you imagine that all those solos are just improv? I mean, uh, I can and I can't. I can't. 
Yeah, I can't do that, but somebody at his level, and I then, can see. Hold on. I loved, I loved the question that Pat asked about the process of a song coming together. So <laughs> here's, here's my diagram. It goes, bloop, bloop, bloop. Wow. So, Look at that. <laughs> it's because I was fascinated by this process where he said, so Russ would come up with a chord change in lyrics, pass it on to Gavin, and Gavin would find the melody. I absolutely, I'm, I'm there. And then he said, or I give, I give some chords. And then it would go back to Russ. So like, it's like, it either goes this way or that way. Uh. <laughs> I found it to be a really honest response about the songwriting credit. And I mean, you know, with time, some things, Spanish, there's a great expression. I don't have one in English, which is like, dorar la pildora. You, you know, you kind of say things to just kind of let it pass. But I think it was an honest, discussion about you know at the time that the at the time of the album and the songs were coming out the credits at rest home fair enough and then when there's this other vision of the band then it became then it was equal you know yes and it was a shared it wasn't a singular songwriter but rather a collective songwriter a group and yep. I think that is a very, very interesting um, element to the story of the band. I mean, look, you've got gold on this CD from, especially with these great demos and live versions and covers and, you know, on and on and on. But we've got this remastered third album. Yes, on CD for the first time. That deserves to be listened to. And I do agree with you and Ronnie and I, I believe uh, Jim and or Pat may have said may have alluded to the same thing. Listening to it after time has passed, there's a different appreciation for that album. And I think at the time it was released, I agree. Hear it once. Like you said, you know, I heard it then and, you know, and then it went back into the collection. And I think with time, also it's remastered really well. You hear Agreed. it differently. I don't know. Maybe it's colored with time. Maybe because a lot of time has passed. I couldn't tell you what. But I think there is a different appreciation for that third album. Thanks to it being remastered and added. And then we've got all this extra stuff. But. Amazing. Oof, hats off to the powers that be and to Richard McGrath for coming on and talking about his time with Drew West. Yeah, I, I can't thank him enough. Agreed. And Pat and Jim coming on who put all Beautiful. the work and made this thing happen. So um, Jeff, how many fans can say that? I went from a fan to a band member. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Definitely. definitely. I, oh, I freaking love it. Oh my God, this is fun. Yeah, very, very, very fun. And I will say this, this is probably our last one for the year. So I, I was going to say, 
if this is how we're ending 2021, yeah, this is a nice send off. Agreed. Because uh, this is pretty killer. And just for our own, our own sake, this discussion went beyond what we thought it would. Yeah. Oh, it definitely, definitely. In terms of time, yeah. and I'm very grateful to Jim Huey, to Richard McGrath, to Pat Thomas, and to Ronnie Barnett. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because we had a different vision. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and we just let it go. Yeah. yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah, our original plan for content. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't the the time that that usually pat likes which is short and sweet yeah um but i think we got some really wonderful this discussion out of out of having jim pat and richard mcgrath here so. absolutely absolutely so mi gente Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Solstice, um, or what is it? Winter is the winter equinox. Whatever you celebrate and however you celebrate, um, health and peace now and into the new year. Absolutely. And where we hope to bring you new episodes and more fun stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, on that note, Jeff, <laughs> Feliz Navidad, Feliz Año Nuevo, and Agrubiar. Groove on, baby people.
做的经济